Grandma's grand rising, everyone. Now we come into life, spreading coffee. Got my coffee here. Yum. Was a little leg time on the pod bean. Um, yeah, it's been some time since I've been on here. <laughs> you know, life's crazy. There's a lot going on. Um, and I think I've just remained silent in this time because trying to gather my thoughts, get things clear, understand what do I want to say and where do I stand within the current situation um, that we're in? Now, it's funny because people constantly think that my statements are political and they're not. Um, I don't know anything about politics, to be honest with you. Um, I would never claim to understand politics um, or to say that I have any know-how um, when it comes to politics. Um, of course, I have some understanding. Like there's two parties and but you're never going to hear me being all political about things um, because I don't fight my battles at a human law level, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, in light of recent events where we feel the pressure coming down, um, when I say stuff, it has nothing to do with the fact that, um, yeah, I am upset um, that so many women um are being well women in general just seem to be the target um of everything right and blamed for everything um and that's not just a political thing that's been happening for years um and it's an ancient thing so um it's not political it's ancient and i think that women are feeling the pressure probably around the entire planet world are fed up so I will say that in the West, we've had more time to um, sort of wrap our mind around the fact that we were sovereign at um, most of our lives. And now we are trying to find that sovereignty. So what does that mean for us? Now, this is a worldwide thing, has nothing to do with just one political stance. Um, I call it capitalism or something greater and there's mr brandon adams and that's who i let's see can you come on brandon <laughs> um but let's see here invite as a speaker boom okay so brandon you just gotta call in ah there was the invite boom oh there's brandon it's coming on Hey, yo. <laughs> Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? I am well. It's good to hear your voice. I know. It's been so long. Um, so I I was just talking to these people, whoever's on here, um, about, you know, the fact that I'm not, I don't understand politics. Um, so I'll just tell you where I'm at. And then you, I just want you to speak to me because you can explain a lot of things that I can't. Um, but you know, so I've been putting posts, obviously, I was like, I think the other day I just put a post that's like, in light of recent events, I will not be celebrating, you know, and then people have comments and they think it's all political because the human mind tends to go to what they know rather than, you know, like the bigger issues that are actually happening in the world. And so, you know, people, of course, are like, well, go live in Russia or China. And I'm like, dude, that's not like, you can't get past that. And I feel like it's like Plato's cave right where people can't see through the smoky mirrors or they just don't understand the bigger narrative that's happening right now and so hey poetic 
So for me, you know, I'm trying to tell them like, this is not a political stance. I don't even know politics, to be honest with you. I never have, and I would never claim to understand it or know it because I don't really follow human laws because humans, in my opinion, are idiots. And, <laughs> and they, they, you know, there's always something poisoned or corrupt and it's always in their own self-interest. And so I personally just follow what I call spiritual law and I tend to stay out of trouble that way anyway. So, um, but, you know, people don't understand. So, you know, I'm getting these, these political things. And, and what, was the, what was the reason that you said you wouldn't be celebrating? Because that's probably going to tell you why people are reacting the way they are. Of course, because it's the 4th of July, right? And it's independence and, you know, people. So I just said, you know, we're not free from capitalism or a capitalist agenda. And to me, that's like the bigger narrative. Well, I mean, it's it could be even bigger, but it wasn't about, hey, these politicians have taken away the rights of women, you know, like whatever people are talking about in terms of, you know, um, Roe versus Wade and all this stuff. So right away, they automatically think, oh, you're just a woman, you're upset, go live in Russia and China and see how you're treated kind of narrative. And I'm like, I'm just fed up. I'm fed up with the entire system and right. trying to figure out how do I, where do I stand? So, but I know you, um, I'm glad Poetics on here. And so just so you guys know, I'll give you a little introduction to Brandon. Please just talk because you know what you and I can talk forever. So Brandon was my trainer in, um, and we did, um, he, I'm a life coach because of it. Anyway, it helped me. He was my trainer in um, Living Legacy. I think, what was it? What is it called? Oh, community. I can't even remember, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Community Leadership Foundation. Was there the you go. And we did, and our trainings were authorship, partnership, and leadership. And leadership, and then Living Legacy. Yes. It, well, it was Living Leadership, or Living... Uh, uh, no, I don't it remember the name. Like <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. Oh, it wasn't. Oh. No, it was living leadership. It was living authorship, living partnership. Because, again, the perspective that I take is that when you're mindful of the present, right, and you speak in terms of the present, you're more empowered. So that's why. That's why I did taught the way that I taught. It's why I took the positions that I took. Um, was to get people in the mindset of when you speak in terms of past and future, you're, you're not empowered to deal with the present. So it was, that's why they had the names that they had. Um, but to get back to your points about, for, I mean, I understand now the reaction to your post. Um, the problem isn't capitalism. <laughs> That's not the problem. In fact, free market capitalism is, by definition, the freedom for you to exchange your labor and to freely participate in a market and to freely be able to offer up services and goods without the control of governments. Now, that's not exactly what we have. Unfortunately, we have a quite corrupt system, but it's not because of capitalism that that system has become corrupt. It's because the various controls that have been put in place have limited it. So we don't really have a free market. Whereas if it were truly a free market, 
and what elements of the free market we have had have created this bubble in history that is unlike any other point in history. Um, and we fail to see that. We don't have the perspective because we were born into prosperity and wealth unimagined up until this point in history. Um, so we, in our perspective, see the negative elements and think, and we're born into this tremendous prosperity and we think that that's how it's always been. And mm -hmm. it just hasn't. We've experienced an unprecedented peace, unprecedented prosperity. And I mean, this is global. This isn't just about America. Mm -hmm. America actually allowed for the rest of the world to experience this. At the end of World War II, when this prosperity began, right? And we had the baby boom. That was a global phenomenon. Okay, and the reason it was a global phenomenon and why that was the birth and the beginning of this prosperity that was global was because the US, which was poised in at the end of World War II, we could have become a global empire. We could have taken over every country. <laughs> we had the weapons, the military to just take over everyone. We could have been a global empire. We could have been the new Roman empire, but we didn't. What we did is we acted as guarantors for everyone else to experience prosperity. And what I mean by that is that we provided security worldwide to commerce, which allowed all countries to thrive and flourish. The only caveat was you must pick a side because at that time it was the beginning of the Cold War. And we were like, you can go with the communists and you, know, you will be against us and we will not protect you. Or you could kind of, you, you have the freedom to choose you could be on our side and we will protect commerce, we will protect trade, we will protect these things worldwide, okay? Now, again, I'm not saying that that system that was put into place is free of corruption, of course. As soon as you centralize anything and as soon as you give a handful of people some power, they're going to corrupt. But mm -hmm. the ideal that was manifest from that comes from our foundation. The reason we didn't create a global empire was because the foundational documents of this country, our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, set forth ideals never before instituted or enshrined or embodied by government. It was unique in history. Okay, so a constitutional republic had not existed up until this point in history, which was, okay. you know, 1789 when the Constitution was ratified. But 1776, July 4th, was when we really laid out the foundation. We said, these are the principles we hold, right? These are the values we have. And by doing that, we've set a course in history that is unique to any other and allowed for prosperity and growth unprecedented, okay? Okay. So that's free market capitalism. It's actually a good thing and probably the best system we've ever had. If you look, at the big picture you know you look at history <laughs> and if you go back you know as far as we can go in this cycle of history like we could pretty much make determinations about the last ten thousand years about how society was organized and how civilization how civilization grew up systems of government and things like that like we have a pretty good idea based on the last ten thousand years that's why i'm saying the current cycle of history i'm not saying that something greater didn't exist before that it probably did but we don't have a direct connection to that. We don't have written records that we can refer to and say, ah, here is better systems, okay? But we can look at the last 10,000 years and go, yep, 
this little period of history, this little pocket, this last 80 years was unique in human history in that there was global security, there was a global peace. Like, yeah, of course, we've had skirmishes and wars between 1945 and now. But when, again, when you apply it to the, the historical record, it's an unprecedented peace. Um, you can say, yes, in the past there was, you know, people thrived, you know, certain cultures thrived, um, but never on a global scale. Okay. <laughs> so this, again, it's this unique pocket in history where we don't have perspective because we were born into it. You know, yeah. now you have millennials, right. Who are growing up and like, well, I had it bad because my parents couldn't buy me a car and I didn't get an iPhone until I was 16. You know, like that's the poor me conversations people have now. Mm -hmm. they, they don't have a perspective of, uh, yeah, but you don't have famine. Right. <laughs> you know, like like right. these are things that we don't have a perspective of. So we, we kind of look at like the little problems that we're having and yes, the corruption within our systems. And we, with that, not having that perspective, we make it out that like, oh, this is really bad. Um, now, again, this is purely on the ideological scale. You know, ideologically, mm -hmm. the Constitutional Republic of America was a great idea. Now, it's been corrupted up until now. So what we, I, I guess what I'm, uh, in order to direct this conversation, mm -hmm. um, what specifically are you, are your concerns around? Well, I personally, when it comes to political stuff, have zero. <laughs> I need a one oh one. When it, I don't because I don't see life through that narrative. Like I just don't, and I never have. And I feel like, um, I feel like the system. Okay, so authoritarian stuff, right? I think it's the issue with authority or someone uh, telling me what I can and cannot do. Uh, with my body, myself, with who I am and, and be who I am, right? And I'm not saying that I don't have that privilege because I would be lying to say, well, I don't have privilege. And absolutely correct. I mean, I lived in India. I've seen the difference between, I mean, I've been to third world countries. I know the privilege that we have here. And I do believe that part of that privilege allows us to maybe reflect in a different way than other people can because we're not fighting for survival you know, like that. And I do get that. And, and I do get the abundance and prosperity. But when, when being in that situation, I start to think of things. Um, I think of everything through spiritual, like what is spiritual, what's happening spiritually, what's happening around the globe. You know, there's all these. And the reason I said capitalism is because I feel like, okay, so, so maybe my definition of capitalism is incorrect and that could be it or the way that they're operating capitalism. But I think that it's a take, 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 take. That's all I see is take. And there's like no giving back. And so now we're at this big transformation where, and, and it's fine because we can even, it's funny, I'm gonna go on and on and on, but I'm gonna say, yeah, we can end up where, oh, well, humans disappear and that's fine, who cares, right? right. But at the and end I of the day- You can't really divorce the two. Like, and what I mean by that, what I mean by that is you can't divorce spirituality and spiritual mm -hmm. principles from the non-spiritual world um, right. because they go hand in hand. Sure, like, absolutely. like in reality, we're facing a spiritual crisis as well as a economic crisis, yeah. as well as a 
uh, food crisis. Like these are all things that we're on the precipice of right now. And they're related. (laughs) The spiritual crisis. I agree. You could look at the metaphysical, right, right, as causal. Right. That because of people's state of mind, because of where their hearts are at, because of high levels of indoctrination and ideological possession, this is what's making it possible for us to kind of swirl down the toilet and head into this downward spiral. Yes. You know, it's it's really you can't separate one from the other. And in fact, we can have that conversation on what's happening spiritually and what's happening, you know, uh, politically yeah. or in the in the, yes. in the physical world, right? Yes, yes. See, and for me, yes. So you're absolutely correct. My thing is that I don't have the language around the po- political part. I don't know the language. I don't, and I can't. I don't know if it's like play the game. I don't know. I guess okay. What it is is where do we fit? I know no one really knows, but what is it? Can we? What can we do? Right. As, as individuals, like I feel helpless. I think in a lot of ways I've stood silent on my podcast for a long time because I'm like, how much more can I do? And who's really listening? And does it really even matter? And you know what I mean? Those are the bigger questions that I'm asking myself. Like I've done so much, I've tried so hard and for what, like, if it's inevitable, it's going to happen, then what, you know? So do I have a, I mean, I know I have a voice, but does it even matter? Where do I stand? How do I fit? People are trying to figure out where they fit into the narrative. No one even knows what the narrative is at this point. There's maybe a construct of a new narrative. And so for me, I'm just confused and lost and, you know, the political piece and well, tell me how it connects. So let's try, maybe let's try that. Try from the, maybe the metaphysical into how we're seeing it like play out and, and what you think the corruption is, or what do you think is you know, the start of that corruption or, you know, is it human greed? Is it, what is it? I don't know. Speak. I know you have something. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I would say that that's a big part of it. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack on that and okay. go back to a more fundamental yeah, element, okay. which is morality. And the, what you've, what you probably unaware of is that throughout the last meh, more than a hundred years, we've been indoctrinated into this relativistic view of the world. What do I mean by that? Like we have a majority of the population now has a, a, uh, a relative truth, right? A belief in a relative truth as opposed mm-hmm. to an absolute truth, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have people who spit out phrases like my truth, okay? Yeah. Now, I'm sure you know my position. <laughs> like, to me, anyone who spits out my truth is, no, that may be your assessment, that may be your belief, but that is not a truth. That is not the truth. Mm-hmm. And this, this goes along with morality. And there's now this relative morality. So it's interesting because you brought up the my body conversation. Um, but if we take a, an approach to morality, whereby we gauge. You remember when I did my trainings, one of the most important things that I hinged them on was the speech acts, right? And being Mm -hmm. able to determine facts from Mm -hmm. your judgments and opinions and how to ground your opinions or your assessments, right? Yep. Because that is the foundation of civilization. If you can't gauge the merit of an idea or an act based on ground the grounding of your assessments around that well then 
you don't have a firm foundation for civilization. Now, we will probably need to touch on there are people who are deliberately undermining civilization. Okay, that is clear from what we see happening in the world. Undermining civilization, undermining morality. And again, like I said, this has been happening for over 100 years now. Mm -hmm. Like now, even people who are, you know, religious and members of churches and things like that, they've been corrupted too because they have the same relativistic view. So the, it's interesting because we have mm -hmm. in the last week seen the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And mm -hmm. everyone has been indoctrinated or most have been indoctrinated like, oh, it's a woman's body and blah, blah, blah. No, it isn't. <laughs> it is a child and the child is separate from the woman. Plain and simple. Like, yeah, it may be inside of you, but it is a human being and it is an innocent human being. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we've given women the privilege to determine whether or not that child lives or dies is something we need to gauge the morality on. Mm -hmm. Like we're living at a time in history where we are sacrificing and committing a genocide against human beings that is unprecedented. And that is abortion, okay? Now, I'm basing that on my assessments because it is a living being at conception, okay? It is its own living being. By definition, the scientific definition of life, a self-organizing system, it is alive at conception, okay? Mm -hmm. So that now you have to make determination, okay, if you blend it up and chop it up, is that not murder? Yes, that is murder. Okay, I'm not necessarily against murder, <laughs> you know, like, because I do believe it, it could be used as a deterrent. Um, mm -hmm. I do believe that if someone was threatening the lives of my family members, I would be within my right to protect them and take the life of that threat. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not necessarily, you know, you, well, you know me, I'm not much love and light, right? I take mm -hmm. a very rational, realistic view of the world. And yes. I critically think about every position that I take. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not ideological. I don't just buy into an ideology. I'm not political. I, I'm not a member of a political party and therefore adopt whatever their beliefs are. That's just not me. It's not how yeah. I've ever been. I take every single topic, every single subject, every single set of circumstances and conditions, and I make my own assessments and I gauge the merit of like, let's say an idea, like mm -hmm. the idea of terminating children, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I've seen how these children have been dehumanized, right? We don't call them children. We don't call them babies. We don't call them human beings. We use a whole other slew of words, right? We call them embryos. We call them zygotes. We call we have all these other words that dehumanize them and therefore makes it easier for us to murder them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's a moral issue. But because there's this moral relativism in the world where it's my truth, there is no approach to morality where we gauge the merit of someone's moral convictions or moral ideas. And so it's, like I said, this is at the foundation because it allows for people to go along with things because there is no way of objectifying their morality or of assessing the 
the morality of a particular act. So it, it's leading to this confusion, right? And then you have the ideological possession that's occurring or, you know, people are becoming polarized into, mm -hmm. into one camp or another, right? So it's like, I adopt all these ideas because I see myself as this person. And because I've been, I've, I've bought into the idea that by being that kind of a person and believing that platform of ideas that I have, that that bestows upon me certain virtues, right? And again, it's a false sense of virtue because we haven't, we were, we're not gauging the merit of these quote unquote virtues. That's why now you have people selling racism as like a solution to something like, oh, we just need to be more racist. Okay, that's what's happening ideologically, right? You have the reinstitution of racism. You have the reinstitution of sexism. Like most women are going along with the eradication of their own identity because they see that they, they buy into the false virtue of a woman is, this is the new definition, right? A woman is one who declares themselves to be so, right? And so now you have the erasure of women, right? There's, okay, well then that, that then women, woman, the word woman or the idea of woman has no real meaning in the world, right? Because it's like anyone who says they are is that, right? And that's biologically, that's false, you know? Um, but you have women going along with it, right? Because they, they've, been, they've been sold on the idea of it is virtuous to hold that idea. And you have a culture and a media that is reinforcing that anyone who disagrees with this ideology, and that's all it is, is an ideology, mm -hmm. is bigoted, is quote unquote transphobic or whatever else, right? So they're, or homophobic or whatever. And so they've, the media and this ideological possession is now demonizing anyone who believes anything different, which is basically anyone who critically thinks for themselves and has criticisms of the ideology is a quote unquote bad person. Now, this process, we're not gauging, we're not assessing any morality here. We're not, we're not assessing the merits of an idea because these ideologies are mostly incoherent. They make absolutely no sense. Like I can get behind an ideology if it's at least coherent and makes some sense. Like the ideologies of early feminism, you know, where it's okay, yeah, a woman who is as competent as a man and who performs as a man does in the workplace should be equally compensated. I can get behind that. It's coherent. It makes sense. Right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But to say, but to say that because someone believes they're a woman, they are a woman. No, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That is incoherent, right? And then when you start to twist the definitions, you know, rather than a woman being a female human being, it is anyone who declares himself to be so. A woman is a one who declares himself to be a woman. That's incoherent because that's still not a definition. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The, it, it, it is wholly incoherent. So you have 
these ideologies, these present ideologies, and again, they're not new necessarily, but they're now in the focus of our culture. And what you're seeing, the destruction and the collapse of our civilization is really being facilitated and exacerbated at the cultural level. Because mathematically speaking, we're already heading towards collapse. That's mm -hmm. if we didn't have people who were intent on collapsing things. And this is just by, like I said, it's mathematical. We mm -hmm. experienced this, this, this era, right? The very short era of yes. prosperity and wealth and population growth. Now our population is going to drop off dramatically and our skilled workforces are going to drop off dramatically just because we don't have a replacement ratio. We don't have people to take the place of the people who were born during this era. And so you're going to see collapse regardless. And the, the common enemy that, that, that was the, that, that was the rationale and the reasoning for America to step in and get, be the guarantor of this peace to facilitate this worldwide commerce, it doesn't exist anymore. Soviet Union went down in 1989. So there is no, there is no rationale for America to step up and continue to be the world police and to continue to guarantee this. And again, I'm speaking in terms as if there are no people actively engaged in undermining it. <laughs> like without that, without considering that, mathematically speaking, we are headed towards collapse. That's yeah. just a mathematical truism, okay? Yeah. There, there's no avoiding it. We are heading yeah. towards that. Now yes. you've got entire groups of people engaged, intent on undermining and actually exacerbating the problem, facilitating it, trying to push it to happen faster, right? So like if you look at, and, and unfortunately what I see, the way I see people reacting to these these uh, elements, right? These these triggers that people are in actively engaged in, in to facilitate the decivilization of the world. People's reactions are telling, and it, what it's what it's showing is that we're doomed. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, now, <laughs> now again, I'm not I'm not here I'm not here to black pill, and I will, and and we can bring the conversation into what we can do, but there's the world won't be the way that it was. Yeah, I that, agree. That's just, I totally yeah, agree. It's not going to be the way it was. I agree. And, and that's what I'm trying to get people. Well, it's not my job to try to get people to understand. I'll do these, I'll do these podcasts or whatever, but it's, it's inevitable, right? That's the thing I'm trying to get. Like people think it's this political thing. They think it's this. I'm like, no, it's inevitable. Like it's gonna, yeah. it has to, it's happening and right in front of our eyes. And, and, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I I always think, well, maybe ignorance is bliss. Maybe I should just be ignorant. And, but no, that's not me, and I can't stay that way. It's like I have to I have to understand where we are, and and I know with your perspective because it's hard for me, right, to get on board with um, certain issues or understand them. But rationally or thinking about it logically always helps me to find balance because. Uh, then I would be totally unbalanced, right? And 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 not even understand the other, maybe the other side of the coin, where pe like so people, right. for instance, are talking about, you know, okay, it is immoral, 
issue, right? The moral issue, right? And for me, I'm thinking, well, it is my body. It is what I want to do. But then by definition and logically in what you're saying, it makes sense to me that, yeah, there's not a definition and is it grounded? And so that's why I'm like, okay, well, where can I see the other side of the conversation? It's not easy for me to just hear the other side of the conversation from people who just, well, I, I don't think they know what they're talking about. That's what I, So I'm not going to listen to people. I don't think they know what they're talking about. And, um, yeah, and a I lot would, of the arguments are incoherent. Yeah. And they don't, and that's why I'm like, no, just shut it. But it, okay. So it makes sense by definition, which is why I was glad to have you on here because I had a lot of questions and I know that there was something that you had said about even just women in general, when it came to like, like laws or to, to, you said that we were free before we were actually, you know, we had a social security, we're able to work. And I don't remember what the idea was. I just know that you said something in terms of like how we were defined prior to this, that, you know, being part of like this whole narrative took away our rights or something. I don't remember what you said exactly. And I don't even yeah, know if I'm that, that, that. Yeah. Thing. And that, and that, that's almost a whole other conversation, but that, that's I mean, to boil right. that down to very okay. simple points is yeah. individual sovereignty. Well, so our, okay. our system recognized the individual as sovereign, right? So okay. the yeah. individual has the freedom to choose, right? They have okay. the freedom to choose what yeah. they engage with, how they engage with it. And in reality, we still have that. We still okay. have individual sovereignty, but it's it's dramatically stifled and systems have been put in place where you kind of give away that sovereignty, right? So yeah. you, 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 not necessarily knowingly, but you willingly give it away. You just don't know you're giving it away. <laughs> so that's, again, that's a whole other conversation, um, but it is the foundation of the principles of, again, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, that, was, that is a central issue that again, didn't exist in the history, at least in our current cycle of history, it didn't exist before the Constitutional Republic of America. So that's that's unique, right? And that ideal is unique. And there has been an active, uh, I'll say there were, there's been a small group of people actively trying to undermine it since its inception. So since the beginning, right, since 1789, <laughs> less yeah. than two years later right after the creation of this great idea we had the bankers already trying to undermine it with the creation of the bank of the united states by alexander hamilton okay so it, it's been under attack since 1791 <laughs> okay so it was created in 1789 and it's been under attack since 1791 okay. so you could see okay. that this has been an ongoing war our constitutional republic is the biggest block it is the biggest obstacle for those who prefer an authoritarian style of global governance okay okay, okay. So we're the biggest we're the and that's why you see people around the world focused in and paying attention to what happens here because whether they realize it consciously or not at least at a subconscious level they understand if america goes down the rest of the world goes down yeah because yeah they don't have the safeguards in place that we have with our constitutional republic and you're already seeing this happen right and what i when i said earlier about the ideological 
possession and the people's reaction to like, let's say the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is telling of how we're going to react when the government steps in to quote unquote, save us again, and we willingly give up any and all rights we have in order okay. to be saved from starvation, mm-hmm. right? In order uh-huh. to be saved yeah. from monkeypox or whatever yes. the next yes. great disease yes. is. Yes, right? yes, 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 uh-huh. And so, and you saw that, you saw that people not only willingly gave it up, they became the enforcers against others who uh-huh. weren't going along with it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it, yes. because they're ideologically possessed, it's like, okay, I, there's not a whole lot of positive I'm seeing here because people's reaction to having everything taken away from them was like, okay, yeah, let's let the government save us. And again, this is not capitalism. That is the opposite of capitalism. Whenever you give over to the government control of anything, it gets worse. It doesn't get better. Yeah. Free markets make things better. They create better products. They create more efficient services. Like, the free market is what created that little bubble of prosperity that we experienced for 70, 80 years, right? It's, it was because of the free market that we had that growth. We had that expansion. We had that prosperity and wealth worldwide. Well, the authoritarians are going to step in and they're going to tell you, look, we can do it better. Give us control. Okay. Or yes. In most countries, they're just going to take control because the apparatus is already in place for them to just take control. Like recently, Australia, they took over all the utilities, right? All the all the public services. You know, they're just like, yep, we control it all now. And nothing the Australians can do about it <laughs> because they don't have what we have in place. Now, again, our system has been greatly undermined. However, the mindset of Americans is the one thing keeping these authoritarians at bay. Because again, we've grown up with the ideals of a constitutional republic embodied, right? So Americans are very much freedom-minded, right? Freedom from the government control. Right. So you may have a large swath of the population that'll just go along with anything, because they're reacting out of fear. So that's the next element here of the, hey, you can't divorce the, what we're, what's happening spiritually from what's happening physically, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that is fear. Fear is very much a spiritual thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, if all you pump out is fear porn, like I said, whether it's uh, pandemics, whether it's starvation, whether it's, oh no, climate change, right? These things are just, these are mechanisms of control. If you fear, you can be controlled more easily. So that's why you can't separate it. I'm sure, now I'm, I'm, I'm not positive because I haven't listened to your podcast, but I'm sure you've talked about fear. Yes, I have. Right, right. (laughs) And, and, and it's impact, right? The negative Mm -hmm. impact fear has on people's personal empowerment and on culture and the social structures and everything else if people are in fear they make stupid decisions (laughs) and especially if you take that action or think that thought or adopt that ideology out of fear right and so you have that is a huge factor right now in that people are driven being driven 
by fear. So again, if, if we want to touch on for a second, <laughs> what can we do? Uh, you you got to like let go of fear. You can't be afraid <laughs> of dying from, you can't be afraid of dying from uh, the cold. Oh my God. Know, thank or, God. Yes. No. Yes. Like that, <laughs> that, no, let's say, I mean, in reality, there could be on the horizon, a real pandemic that really kills a lot of people. I know. I know. But if you live in fear of it, and you make stupid decisions based on your fear of it, and you give up all your freedoms and rights because of your fear of it, you're not going to be in a better position. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to make things better by you fearing those things. Yes, I did. I had a, I was like, yes, I've had podcast, but yes, I did talk about that early on where I'm like, you know, we die. Like, why are people so afraid to die? They're just, they're afraid to die. They want to live. And I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm almost to the point where I'm like I'm ready to go. I'm not sure I want to see what's about to happen. I don't think I want to sit back with popcorn and watch the show. I'm not sure that I want to at this point. But but yeah, I mean it, it is fear based and 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 it does actually. You're right. It, that's the conversation that I think I was trying to get at is that sovereign sovereignty and what what does sovereignty really mean and how to and you know. I don't know. I guess if you put it in the hands of people to be sovereign, then they don't necessarily <laughs> they don't necessarily make good choices. Right. I don't know. So so maybe it's like you know, we have to control the ones that that don't get it or don't want to know or don't I don't know. It's just people are I just can't understand humans. That's, I'm just well, going to. What's interesting is the founding fathers actually addressed this because they said you cannot have a free country without morality. Now they said it in different words. I'm paraphrasing, right? Right. But that was the gist of what they were saying. Like, look, we're going to, we're going to create this free thing where everyone's free to do whatever they want, but without a morality, without mm -hmm. a set of values and principles that we agree upon you cannot have a free society. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so that that's why morality was one of the first things targeted to be undermined. Mm. And this is why relativism, uh, thank you, Frankfurt School, has been implemented in everything, right? You it's it's the like the new age religion. Even Christianity yeah. has been undermined by relativism. Okay. And the new agers who, you know, those who are like, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. That's what I call mm -hmm. a new ager. Um, mm -hmm. they, they still have adopted this relativism. And this relativism doesn't allow them for to make judgment. Like okay. I've that heard both sense. new age relativists and Christian relativists say, well, it's not for me to judge, right? And the Christian will even point to a scripture which supports their idea of not judging, right? Well, I'm not going to judge others. Uh, judgment assessment is the foundation of civilization. You don't have a civilized society without judgment, without making determinations, without gauging the merit of an idea, of an action, right? It is the very foundation of civilization. And you have a bunch of people running around like, I'm not going to judge. Okay. <laughs> well, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Because 
by failing to gauge the merit of any idea, by failing to assess actions and ideas, we're just, we're lost. We're, we're yeah. anything and everything becomes as, like any idea becomes as valuable as any other idea. Right. That's just not so. Right. Like some ideas are good. Some ideas are bad. <laughs> we don't, and again, you know how I, like, I recognize that there is an element of value to recognizing that things are relative, right? Like my perspective, my interpretation of things is relative to yours, right? It's, right. There is no absolute right way to interpret something. But again, that's why I put so much emphasis on making assessments and grounding your assessments because if you do not ground your assessments you can't gauge the value of your idea versus another idea yeah i agree and there's also an outcome to each one of those ideas too and those outcomes go in totally different directions (laughs) so yeah no yeah i know so it's, oh man, it's just crazy. We just live in a weird time right now, I'm telling you. And, you know, it's funny because we did know that, well, I think we talked about it a long time ago. And I think a lot of the individuals that were taking classes and stuff like that could kind of foresight, right? We could see that things were coming. And I know they were trying to do what they can do to like prepare to, you know, but so what do you see happening in terms of like, what's next like do you have do you think you have foresight kind of an idea of what you think i mean yes it's well, all going to come well, down with I, I could tell you like there's certain things that it's not even me predicting it it's just mathematical certainties like the the uh the transportation issues we're going to have the mm-hmm. um distribution issues we're going to have mm-hmm. like that those are certainties those are mathematical certainties and the people actively undermining civilization have kick-started that right? Mm -hmm. Things will never be as good as they were in 2019. That's just Mm -hmm. not going to happen. Okay. We are on a downward spiral now. Yeah. What you're going to see is you're going to see, again, this is these, this is mathematical. You're Mm -hmm. going to see disruptions in the supply chain. You're already seeing it. Go to Walmart, go to your grocery store. You do not have the access to products that you once had. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Try to go buy a car, you know, like, there, there is this disruption. It is already occurring. These are mathematical certainties, and it's only going to be exacerbated mm-hmm. based on the cultural influences and based on people actually actively undermining these things, like the destruction of food processing plants happening all over America. You know, like that's not accident. That's not by chance that all of a sudden you have planes crashing into processing plants. You have all these pr- food processing plants bursting into flames, right? This is, these aren't accidents. Mm-hmm. This is a concerted effort to speed things up. Like I said, there's already a mathematical certainty that these are already going to be issues, mm-hmm. but these issues are being exacerbated by the actions of others and by this ideology that pervades our culture right now, mm-hmm. or at least it's being pushed through media and other things, because I don't believe that necessarily a majority of people buy into these ideologies. They're just in fear of speaking out against them. So here we go back to what can we do about it? Speak out, stand (laughs) up, call bullshit. You know, (laughs) like if you don't, if you're not even willing to do that because you're afraid you're going to be called some names, we're, we're screwed. There's nothing we can do. (laughs) 
<laughs> stand up and but okay so but then here's the deal people stand up and speak out but are they understanding what they're standing up and speaking out for not necessarily i know <laughs> that's I the problem I... that's why i'm shutting the hell that's why i've been quiet because i'm like okay i see it from the spiritual perspective but politically and how the systems i understand sort of how the systems work but I don't know politically how things work. So I'm not going to speak on things I don't understand. Like, I'm not going to try to make it up. And, you know, I know that me saying I'm not going to celebrate had no, has nothing to do with Roe versus Wade. It's a bigger issue. I see that we're heading in a spiral. And I think that there's other ways that I can give back rather than go and celebrate and pretend everything is good and honky-dory. You know, because people don't even know what they're celebrating. They're just like, yay, this is big event. Let's just go have fireworks and pretend that nothing's happening. And I'm like, okay, that's not. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Like now, again, 4th of July is my favorite holiday. Mine okay? too. I believe it's like the, it's the thing to celebrate. Personal freedom is the thing to celebrate. But many years ago, I, I recognized the ridiculousness of, like I, you know, I grew up, I was born in and grew up in Huntington Beach, right? And 4th of July is huge there. We're a beach My town. Friend. Everyone's, everyone's out on 4th of July. We're all riding bikes. Everyone's getting drunk and it's a big <laughs> citywide celebration, right? And what I laugh at at the time was because fireworks weren't legal, but <laughs> it's part of the holiday, right? So here we are. Lighting off fireworks and then running and hiding from the cops. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, does nobody see the the contradiction here, right? We're celebrating our freedom that we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yes, I do, I do see it. I You know, there is a contradiction there, right? There is an incoherence to like, yeah, we're celebrating freedom that was taken away from us yeah. <laughs> that we no longer have. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and there, and there's a lot of that, you know, but for me, it's not like, I don't see it as like a day to like get drunk anymore. You know, that's <laughs> what it used to be for me when I was young. Um, but now it's a day to recognize like these ideals are important, right? right? The ideals of personal sovereignty, the ideals yeah. of freedom and free markets. Right. Those are important ideas. Yes. And those are great ideas. And they are really the only way to have a thriving society, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the authoritarians of the world are really pushing us into the dark ages, whether that's intent, their, their end goal or intentions right. is unclear, but that's where we're heading. <laughs> we're heading towards the dark I ages. Know. because. Because we already have this population issue, the mathematical population issue that we just don't have the replacement and things are going to break down. Things are going to stop working. It's that's mathematical. When you actively undermine it at the same time, it's only going to be worse. Yeah. And now. So it's it, like I said, the the only system of government that will come out of it. Now, what they'll offer you first is a form of communism and fascism. Right. Just give us control of everything. And we'll make everything better. And like I said, based on how people reacted to the pandemic, they're going to go, yeah, take all no. our freedom. Save me, Papa government. You know, and so that's kind of where people's minds and hearts are at. They're going to give it up. And 
but that's going to fail <laughs> because yeah. communism, even when things are great, is a failure. It, yes. it, it will not succeed. It is a horrible system of government. It is a horrible system of economics. It does not create prosperity. In fact, the short-lived time of China's prosperity is when they turned their communist markets into free markets yeah. or semi-free markets and allowed for companies and industries to be controlled outside of the government. That's when China took off, was when they actually instituted capitalism in their communist country. Okay, so so you're going to have that, right? That's the first thing the authoritarians are going to do is like, we've got a better system. Give us all control. Give us all the power and do what we say. And now you've lost the freedom to exchange your time and efforts for what you want to do, right? You yeah. will no longer have that, right? Yeah. But again, that's a failing system. So that will fail very quickly. My perspective, if things continue to go the way they are going, what we're heading towards is feudalism. Okay, explain right? that we to can't me. Even, feudalism is uh, fiefdoms, right? Like s small little areas where everyone's a slave except for a small group of people that control but oh. it's it's not even imperialism like we won't even be able to sustain empires anymore you know that's where we're heading so it'll eventually and it, i mean we may be talking 100 years from now we may be talking 30 years from now but it will eventually devolve if we continue down this current course it'll eventually devolve into some form of feudalism now we Americans actually are on the best footing of any other country because not only do we have an infrastructure and a military to maybe maybe make something like imperialism last for maybe a couple decades so we may not get it as bad as all the other countries are going to get it because we have resources we have a we have the most powerful military on the planet so we have the things to protect our resources and our borders that most other countries don't have. They've relied on us for decades to do that for them, right? Yeah. And now, and, and as soon as things start falling apart, we're not going to be trying to protect other countries. We're going to pull all our resources in to protect our own, right? And as far as labor replacement, the one distinction between the baby boomer generation of America and the baby boomer generation of other countries was our baby boomers had kids. So our population collapse will be less extreme than all the other countries will experience. So we will have a population collapse, but it won't be as bad as what you've seen in other, or as what you will see in other countries. So that's an advantage, you know, um, but <laughs> it's still not sustainable because the millennials aren't having kids. Generation Z won't have kids. Like they think having pets is like having kids. And because they didn't get an iPhone when they were 16 or until they were 16, they don't think this is a world they want to bring kids into. And because things are going to just continue to devolve, it's not like they're going to decide at one point, like, oh, now's a good time to have kids. You know, uh, now that we have food shortages, now that I can't, you know, exchange my specialized labor for something and I don't know how to grow food and I don't know how to do anything. And a majority of our populations in, are in cities, big cities, which are going to be the first things to collapse. Yep. So we're going to face problems. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we've got the best of it. 
like everywhere else it will be worse. <laughs> so, so because we also have people want to or want to flow into this country because of probably because of American propaganda, but in reality, more people want to be in America than anywhere else. So again, we've got that constant influx of immigrants that can help to alleviate the pressure of a collapsing population. So that's, again, that's not considering people actively undermining all this. So right. if we took right. that out of the equation, mathematically speaking, the United States would be in the best position. But it's mathematically speaking, it's still not good. And the fact <laughs> that people actively undermining it makes it worse. We're going to speed it up like, what, 20 times? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I mean, in reality, based on like the, the again, the mathematical models of population collapse, uh -huh. we should have still been prosperous and growing through probably the mid 2020s and then start to go down. But because of, quote unquote, the pandemic, yeah. it, start, it started early, 2020. Is like, boom, downward spiral. We're not going back. You're not going to see 2019 levels of prosperity, wealth, no. distribution ever again. It's yeah. just not going to happen because it, you know, I think it's something like 2025, maybe 2023 is when we hit the peak of the retirement age of the baby boomers. And that is a majority of our skilled labor market, right? Yep. So Basically, after 2025, you're just going to lose in mass our our skilled population, right? And we're very, and the world has become specialized. Meaning, not only are individuals specialized in what they do, right? They 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 pick a particular career, and they facilitate something within the society. And a large portion of that is shit that's not even relevant to a collapsing society. Like if if you're some kind of a middleman in insurance, mm -hmm. like yeah. you're useless to the yeah. future because <laughs> yeah. you have no practical skills that can actually help us out of this. And most of the people with practical skills, they're dying and they're retiring and they're going to be gone. Right. And so, you know, practical st skills like construction and building mm -hmm. and mining yeah. and smelting yeah. and yeah. like the things that a modern society would need to have in right. place are going to be gone. And all these people who are educated in things that are useless when you have a collapse in civilization or globalization, you know, it's, and, and you have entire countries that are specialized in things yeah. that don't even produce their own food. You know, they, they specialize know. in semiconductors or they specialize in some industrial good or metals or something else or some kind of resource like oil right? What the hell is going to happen to Dubai? They, they don't even have camels. Dubai has to import camels. <laughs> All they got is oil. Well, you can't eat oil. You can't build houses out of oil. So Dubai, which is this wealthy country, but is completely dependent for its food supplies, for its water, for everything else from other countries. What happens when everyone's break, everyone's civilization's breaking down? You think people are still going to be shipping food out to other countries? Hell no. They're going to be keeping their food because they need their food. 
Yeah. And so you're going to have places like Dubai that are just, I mean, they there's no hope for Dubai. It will be a complete and <laughs> utter collapse. They're camels. I'm sorry, yeah, that's a even have camels. <laughs> Okay, so you know what? Because I know people are talking about like doing their own, like growing their own food, getting back to like the land, getting back to agriculture, understanding all that stuff. You know, I mean, is that something people should be doing too? Like learning oh, how absolutely. to absolutely like learning. Yeah, learning to be self sufficient is important. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if you've got the means, getting out of big cities will be because <laughs> what will happen is as things start to crumble, that what they'll do. You know, and again, this is my own assessment. I'm just predicting this based on sure. what I see. Absolutely. What will happen is they'll lock down cities. They won't let you leave at a certain Yeah, point. yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? I saw so, that coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's I like literally saw that. Like, trapped, uh -huh. Yeah, you'll be trapped and it'll mm -hmm. just, it'll eat itself. It'll mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. collapse. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because cities are dependent on resources from all around them. Yeah. If you shut off all those resources, they, they can't sustain themselves. Yeah. So yeah. cities, especially larger cities, will be gone. They'll, they'll yeah. be the first to collapse. And what will happen is at the point of no return, you'll be locked down. You'll be mm -hmm. yeah. surrounded. You'll be yeah. like, nope, no yeah. one's going anywhere. No one's yeah. getting in. No one's getting yeah. out. We're just going to control yeah. the collapse of the city. We're going to control your starvation. We're going to control. And that's kind of what's happening, right? Because they're giving back yeah. all the power to the, to the states. Right. And they're just like, yeah. yeah. And then maybe they'll give it back to the cities or I don't know, but I, it's funny because like I told you, everything that I see is from a spiritual perspective. So I get these like visions and stuff like that. And I was going to move and all of a sudden all of this stuff happened. And I was like, Oh my God, what if I get trapped? That's, and that's the first thing that came to my mind is like, they're going to trap me in and I'm not going to know anyone. I mean, so what do I do? Like, do I move or do I not move? Right. And so I'm kind of just, but I saw that like being trapped or them not letting me leave. Like I felt that energy it was weird. Um, yeah. And I, that's kind of what I see happening as well. Them like locking us into a space and being like, yeah, no, you can't get out of here, which is yeah. like. Which is crazy because you know where I live, it's a it's a food desert for one. Um, not sure that it's the best place to be, but there's but then it's like there's feels like there's something very um sacred about this land for some reason and I don't know what it is, right? And something that doesn't move me out of here. But I mean, thinking about like going to a place that's more like I was thinking Florida, right? Where there's like vegetation, it's fruitful, it's like there's still stuff there. You know, here it's, I don't know, it's a food, it's a food desert. It's not easy to grow stuff here, you know? Um, so I mean, you know, what, what do we do? I mean, who knows, right? Not live in fear and just go with it, I guess. <laughs> just well, ride the yeah, Not live in fear, but also make some assessments, you know, make uh -huh. some judgments, realize that like, you may not know the truth and that's something that. <laughs> I advocate like you may be able to establish facts, but the truth is hard to know. And yeah. we get well, all we can do is get closer to the truth. So we use things like science. 
We use yeah. things like religion to get us closer to the truth. Right. You know, I'm not going to say science is truth because it's not. You know, science is something that's dynamic. It's constantly shifting. It's constantly changing. And same with religion. Religion isn't expressly truth, but it can get you closer to the truth, right? It can get us closer to moral truths. It can get us closer to to, um, spiritual truths, right? But it's not not the truth, right? The truth is something that we can't really express because our language is symbolic. Exactly. And all, all we can ever do is give a symbolic representation mm-hmm. of the truth. Yes. And symbolic representations are always determined by interpretation, right? right? So it's like it's like you could try to speak the truth, but based on the fact that you're using words, which are just symbols and or symbolic representations, and your the meaning you give those words may not match someone else's meaning of those words. It, it, there will always be this separation between us and the truth. Now, I Absolutely. do believe that it is, it is something we should strive to know. It is something we should strive to understand that it is very important to get as close to the truth as possible, but it's something that is, is, it's very much an individual kind of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, journey, you know, the yeah. getting to the truth. Yeah. So that's, you know, there, there's, <laughs> there's that. I know. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of where I was going with, with the sim- symbolic stuff. And that's kind of what I'm interested in, in terms of, so I don't know if you know this, but I'm in a master's program right now in consciousness and transformative studies. And a lot of what I do are what I want to look at is this, the symbolic representation of things and structures and systems and how they're played out and interpreted and how we see them. Right. And, and how do we, um, work with them because you're right it's like that shapes and symbols create the narrative and the narrative shapes the way that we think about things the way that we interact with life the way that we and and i'm thinking like my thing is like am i too late in a lot of ways because what i wanted to do through my phd program was really show how there's well we're in a deconstruction so everything you said yes on point for how i see it is that things are collapsing but okay, that's fine. But how do we reconstruct? Like, how do we reconstruct? Because let's just say we know throughout human history, it's like a collapse and then we rise and then we collapse and then we rise. And there's always these thought leaders that are sort of leaving some kind of of support or a narrative behind saying, hey, this is a possible way of reconstructing. This is a possible way of maybe doing it better, of getting better at it you know, and, and it does start with symbols. So for me, that's kind of always the conversation I'm having on these podcasts is more that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and that's kind of where I'm like, and I don't know, maybe you could be a a total help for me in terms of that, because, um, you know, I was reading, um, a lot of, you know, they have like the archetypal stuff. It's everything is Jungian (laughs) perspectives. I swear. Um, they're stuck in his whole alchemy, which is anyway, it's a whole other story. But, you know, really like looking at the entire process and saying, how do we reconstruct? What, what, what does it look like symbolically? You know, and I think ancient civilizations had some representation of what it could look like. I don't know if it was the best way because every civilization. I mean, look at, look at past collapses, right? This isn't the first time civilization has collapsed. It's the first time it's been global. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but like the Bronze Age, right, which we define the Bronze Age is basically a period in history that really encompasses like the Mediterranean in Europe and maybe some of the you know Middle East. Um, but it's not it's not this it's not global. Right. And mm -hmm. the collapse of the Bronze Age. Well, what happened? <laughs> Everyone. The cities became vacant. No one was living in cities anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. went back to being uh, to, to hunting and gathering. Right. Because it was like the immediate concern was food, right? right. sustaining your life. Right. right. So it's like yeah. you had to get away from these big, huge masses of people. And in fact, the one culture that kind of made it through the Bronze Age collapse was Egypt. And that's because Egypt is in a unique position in mm -hmm. that they're surrounded by desert. Right. And I'm talking about the Egyptian culture on the Nile. They're surrounded by desert. So they've got this natural protection from people roaming the countryside looking for food. Right. Uh -huh. So because they've got this natural barrier to their civilization, mm -hmm. they were able to weather the storm quite well. OK. And there will be pockets like that in mm -hmm. this collapse. Yeah. In fact, America can be seen as like we've got oceans. We're surrounded by oceans. Right. Mm -hmm. Um so we've got that advantage to where, but there will still be roaming, you know, like, yeah. like, and again, that's why they will lock down the cities because they mm -hmm. don't want these people just roaming the countryside, destroying what's left. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that was something Egypt had to its advantage was they could still be agrarian, meaning they could still grow all their own food. Um, they could still maintain a, 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 a civilized system, right. Now, again, mm -hmm. it's not a perfect system. It definitely wasn't a constitutional republic. It wasn't a free market or anything like that, but it provided for its people, right? And so they kind of weathered the storm, but everywhere else, you just see abandoned cities everywhere, right? And you see roaming, right? Um, in fact, that's why really the, the Bronze Age kind of mixed up the genetics of things. So it's like, oh, wh who are you genetically? Well, that's really hard to determine because everyone was roaming around <laughs> you know, during the collapse of the bronze age and and so it caused this great migration right um because during that time what it's it's theorized you know what caused the collapse of the bronze age and population was a big part of it you had this huge drop in population so mm -hmm. the systems that mm -hmm. maintained these yeah. big cities and these city states at the mm -hmm. time could no longer be sustained. Yeah. Right? But you yeah. also had climate change, which again, that's climate. The nature of climate is to change. We've been yes. coming out of an ice age for 10,000 yeah. years. So we could try to point the finger at humanity and say, oh, all you need to do is stay in your house and the climate won't change. Eh, wrong <laughs> like the the number one factor in climate change is solar activity which we have absolutely no control over i know. know what the sun does no right so yeah. that's but it's a great tool to use <laughs> against people and to make them fear right, right. and to control right. them yeah. because i guarantee you on the horizon are our climate change lockdowns where it's like yeah. well, no 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 nobody can drive cars nobody can do anything because y'all are ruining the earth and that's not <laughs> accurate it's the, you know but it's something not only that people are willing to buy into because they're driven by the fear but your neighbors will become the enforcers 
right? Yeah. When they see you get in your car and go somewhere, they're going to be the first ones to pick up the phone and say, Natalie got in her car and drove somewhere, you know, and <laughs> you'll get busted, you know? So, um, but that's, that, that's where, like, again, just basing my, my, my observations are purely based on what I've seen and how people have reacted to the last sure. couple of years. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I think so the collapse. So the food desert and then the roaming and then the trapped in <laughs> all of it makes sense. I think we're, he- I think we're headed that way. I feel like we're headed that way. And I had a vision of that happening for whatever reason. And, and I think that for people like for me, because I'm not afraid. So here's the deal. I have always lived and yes, I'm very grateful because I don't want people to think that I'm not grateful that I've had these freedoms and that I don't understand the privilege that I carry because there are places where, yeah, you don't have that privilege of speaking your mind or roaming as you want or doing whatever you please, which I have. And, you know, in that tomorrow, like I always tell people, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to die happy because I've done everything I've wanted. I didn't wait to do what I wanted to do. I didn't say, oh, I'm afraid to do this. I've done it all. You know the way I am, Brendan. I I jump right right in at first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then I give it a hundred and billion, 10%, you know what I mean? At whatever I'm doing, because, you know, it's, it's life. We're supposed to live it. We're supposed to enjoy it, you know? And, and now I think I'm at this point where I'm like, yeah, I could, I could, I could go away happy and I could just shut up. And you know what? I don't even have to do these podcasts and I don't even have to, I, I could just actually sit back and watch the show and, I don't care if they came in here and put a gun to my head and whatever, blow me away. In fact, actually do me the favor of taking me out before all this show happens, to be honest with you. It's kind of how I feel like going out in a blaze of glory, to be honest with you. Um, You know, but people, I think for me, it's more of like, I think about the next generation. Um, I think, how do I support, you know, how do I, help and support and, and, and give back, you know, I, so podcasting, right. Doing this, I think is, is part of it. Um, you know, or, you know, getting my PhD and writing things and, you know, written language has seemed to be helpful for a lot of people. I think we go back to ancient scriptures and texts all the time, right. To try to figure out what the hell's going on, you know, give back in that way, you know, um, and I don't know. I mean, I tell people because people have asked me, you know, they've come on my podcast and they're like, well, what can we do? And I'm like, I don't know. Learn to grow your food. I, you know, get out of the big cities. Do, you know, do that thing little by little. And we know we have friends who do that. We have people that we know who are really trying to figure it out because they can see that this is about to just fall to pieces. And and I'm like, all right, if you guys want to be frogs in a pot, because that's how I feel, right? We're like frogs in the pot and it's just like the heat gets turned up just a little bit enough that eventually we're gonna boil to death, you know? And (laughs) so I take all these different like points of view and I'm like, man, you know, what do I do? How do I support, you know? And I don't mind just continuing like my podcast, you know, I just had nothing to say for a long time because I'm like, I don't wanna, it's not a political thing for me. I don't know even know how to help. Sometimes I feel like, well, helpless in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I have nephews, I have, I have nieces, you know, I know my nephew wants a family. Like he's the only one out of all the kids. Like you said, they don't want kids. My nieces don't want children, but my nephew does. He wants a family, you know, and he looks at the state of the world and he's thinking, oh my God, like, 
you know, do I really want a family? Do I really want to bring kids up in this situation? And, and I'm like, but how do I help? How do I, how do I support? How do I give back in some way? You know, um, and if humans go away, that's another conversation I have. I have all these different <laughs> conflicting ideas. I'm like, and if we go away, who cares? <laughs> right. I don't know. And I, and I, and I understand that perspective because, and it's not that that's necessarily an unhealthy perspective uh, because it allows you to live beyond fear. However, I think it's also important to have that other perspective you talked about as part of that. And that's a, a commitment to your legacy, a commitment to the yeah. future generations. Yeah. Like if we don't have that, because again, you've been conditioned and we've all been conditioned to be self-centered, to not take into consideration others in our choices mm -hmm. and decisions. Yeah. And I think that that, again, I think that's an immoral position. I think that's an immoral way of approaching the world. And based on my assessments and my values and my principles, that if we're not taking into consideration what we're leaving behind and we're not taking into consideration, like, you know, I'm a I'm a father, I'm a grandfather at this point. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm concerned, you know, like I'm looking out for future generations, not only my own that are physically related to me, but all human beings, because I care about humanity. I know. So like, yeah, yeah, I can live beyond fear because it's like, yeah, okay, take my life. Not a big deal. I'm not afraid of that, you know? Um, <laughs> and yeah, the collapse is coming. And, and, and I know based on how I'm prepared for it, that I'll be okay, you know, yeah. um, for the most part. And if I'm not, not a big deal. Right. So, so, but that, that perspective allows you to be beyond fear, but you, if you don't get outside of yourself, yeah. you know, um, then what, 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 what okay. is there for fut the future of humanity? So I, I think it's important to take into consideration, you know, what we leave behind and what the future is. And, and I think it's like, as, as menial as you may see it, you know, in, in producing a, a podcast or writing your ideas down, it, it is important because it is the conveyance of thought mm -hmm. and idea. And, you know, I, I know you said earlier, you know, well, I don't even know if I've got, you know, like, I want to stand out and speak up, but I, I don't know if I got the stuff to say to speak out, right? <laughs> and and I think what's important is to, like, question, you know, mm -hmm. like, question things, mm -hmm. like, question these, quote, unquote, truths that people are putting out, question the the coherence, the sanity of ideas uh, assess them, you know, like if, if you don't, if you're not in a position or if you're not, if you don't feel you have the understanding to take a position, mm -hmm. well then question things, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. at least become a critical thinker because I don't think like this false duality, right? The polarization of society that's divide and conquer, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, being a Democrat is bad and being a Republican is good. No, that's just polarization. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. All yeah. of them are human beings. Right. right, right. If we could get beyond the polarization that I've been, I'm pigeonholing myself in an ideology rather than critically thinking for myself and going, that's a bad idea. That's a good idea. That's a bad <laughs> idea. That's a good idea, right? Without being able, without having the courage to stand in my own assessment of things without having the courage to question the logic or the reason of something like what, you know, without having the courage to say, you know what, 
what you just said doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, like, tell me more. Yeah. Right yes. now you sound, you sound insane. Yeah. <laughs> right? If you don't have the courage to stand up and question the insanity all around you, well, then it'll just perpetuate and it'll just get worse. You know, so it, it's, it definitely takes courage because our tendency as human beings is to fit in to a group. So we will mm-hmm. align ourselves with an ideology and say, okay, well now I'm protected because I at least regurgitate the things that these people are saying. I may yeah. not even believe these things, but as long <laughs> as I say what they want me to say, they'll yep. accept me. Right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Which is probably why I'm alone. <laughs> no i have i do have really good people in my life who get me but you know some people are like you need to dumb your stuff down and i said no i'm not going to i'm not going to dumb my stuff down like if you don't get what i'm saying go educate yourself like i can't you know what i mean it's not that's not my responsibility and yes i believe in the critical thinking and i think the political piece um and that's why i was glad that you came on because I am okay with saying, look, and I've told everybody, I am not, I, I need a policy 101, right? I had um, my instructor, my Kung Fu um, instructor or Master Abram, you know, I put something on there and he's like, no, Natalie. Uh, Cause I was like, we need to stall time. You know, we need time. Like time was my big thing. And he's like, look, and then he gave me some information and I told him, look, I don't know anything about politics. Like I just put that out there because I thought, hey, if we do this, maybe time will be stalled, right? And I was like, I need a policy 101 class or something because I've always just stood out of the dialogue. Like I've just, you know, I, I just, I'm like, I don't want to hear about it because humans, their interpretations and all of that to me is just, I'm like, no. And then I don't agree with half of the stuff they're saying. And I'm like, if you just live, so the moral, okay. So for me, like you talked about morality and all that stuff, like I just go, okay, well, let me follow natural law. What does natural law tell us? You know, how, how do I look at the way and the cycles of life and, and all that? Because, you know, I'm not the one making my heart beat. I'm not the one that grows the trees, the trees and all that were here already. So there's wisdom in like life. And I just follow that and I do pretty well, but, (laughs) but now I'm being forced to look at this you know, human stuff, <laughs> this human stuff, this law, I'm, I'm being forced to look at the law because now it is actually maybe compromising my, my, my well-being or what I feel is my well-being, right? Where I'm going like, oh, wait, if I don't look at this, well, then I'm part of the problem too, because that is the other part, other side of the coin, right? As within, so without, and there's a bigger narrative happening. So yeah, I think part of me is just silent because I'm like, it's such a huge thing, like the like <laughs> law and all that. I mean, I know a little bit of what you taught me before, and I understand that, and that makes sense. It's logical, right? It makes sense when you're like, okay, ground your assessments. You know, what is fact? What is story? You know, how are you? And then move forward from that perspective, right? That makes sense to me. But when people are just throwing out these political, like you said, political propaganda, and they're just talking about, oh, well, America is a great country, and they don't even know why they're saying these things. I'm like, why are you saying this? You don't even know what's, like, do you know what's really happening? Are you really understanding, like, the whole thing or not? Are you just saying it because you're safe, you feel protected, 
um, and you can't see that the entire world is in a crisis. And, you know, it's like they can only see, they can't see past their own self, basically. So, you know, I'm like, okay, what do I do? Well, I think for me, it's actually trying to understand, you know, the political or different language or narratives, like your language, the way you speak is different from the way that I speak, right? Um, the words that you use are the way that you interpret the world. But literally, I think it makes more sense to me than most of these people. <laughs> I can digest it and understand it because it's like, okay, this is the definition. This is, if, if it's right, wrong, good or bad, doesn't matter. Here's what we defined it as. Here's what we have agreed upon. And here's how we're actually operating through that definition. That makes sense to me. Right. Everything else right. doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you're just, do you even know why you're saying those things? Or are you just saying things because you want to be part of the crowd because you feel safe? You know, that doesn't mean you're safe all the time. I mean, you're going to, who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. You could be in fear really soon if they're shutting down the, borders of of the states and the cities and all that then what are you going to be saying the same thing are you just saying it now because it feels right you know what i mean and for me i'm like yeah i gotta understand even more so i think it's perfect because i think your your way of explaining things makes sense to me and i think it should make sense to, <laughs> to the rest of humanity if it doesn't then i don't know what to say <laughs> No, I'm with you. I, I feel the same way. I'm like, why are people listening? Um, I know. But, it's, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, you know, in, in taking into consideration, like, you understand that people have an insecurity, an uncertainty. And so it's very easy for people to just latch on to an ideal. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to question things or to critically think or to express yourself outside of any box that people <laughs> want to put you in, right? It's yeah. like, well, if you're not speaking from this box, you know, um, or you're not speaking from this box, well, then you, you run the risk of being criticized. You run the risk of being um, shunned. You run the risk of of being canceled, right? And so it, it takes a tremendous amount of courage. And so if, you know, anything that comes out of this conversation, you know, what can we do? Because at this point, like I said, there's a mathematical certainty to collapse. Sure. It's just, sure. we can't avoid, but it's like, okay, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, we, it's just gonna be different, right? Society is going to change, right? Yes. Um, yes. civilization is going to change. Yes. However, if we don't stand up against these forces that are, that are intent on destabilizing the individual, destabilizing culture and society, and intent on taking us into the dark ages, then we stand very little chance. And what's that going to take? That's going to take courage more than anything. Yeah. You know, we, we spoke at the beginning, we spoke about fear. Well, mm -hmm. how do you face fear? Courageously. Because yeah. <clears throat> courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to act in the face of fear. Yes. That's what makes you courageous, right? Mm. Not being afraid is not courage. <laughs> courage is like, yeah, I could be ridiculed. I can be... Um, I, I can be canceled. I can be, uh, 
shunned. I can be marginalized. All these things can happen, right? I could be killed. I could be yep. shot. I, you mm -hmm. know. Yep. <laughs> However, acting in the face of that is where courage is at. Yeah. Okay. So yep. it's not about necessarily not being afraid because yeah, there are things to at least be cautious of and to be, and to have a, a mindful approach with, right? You don't just ignore the dangers in the world. You're right. mindful of the dangers. And yes, you, you could be afraid of like, okay, yeah, something bad can happen to my family members that I don't want to happen. Courage is acting in the face of those fears. And that's right. important. You know, if we're going to make it through this, and it's also important to recognize how culture is being undermined and it's being undermined ideologically, right? So you, again, I mentioned briefly the Frankfurt School and how relativism mm -hmm. became mm -hmm. this foundational element that's completely destroying society. But you, the ideological movements that have sprung from that, whether it's the critical race theories, the critical queer theories, like these, the people who spawned them know that these are, this is a way of destabilizing the individual. Mm. By destabilizing the individual, you can destabilize <laughs> society. Mm. Okay, so you can see that they're acting with malintent. They want the destabilization. They want the collapse of our civilization, of our society. Mm -hmm. They're they're really pushing it. And these people aren't, mm -hmm. when I say these people, I'm talking about the people who in, in powerful positions, right? Whether they control the banking systems, whatever, they're not actually ideolo ideological. They're not communists. They're not, they don't believe in any of the bullshit that they're spewing or that they, perpetuate through their many systems of control, whether it be the politicians they control, whether it be the media they control, they perpetuate it because they what their goal is control and to mm -hmm. control, we need to destabilize. When we that makes, you know, go ahead. Beg for us to control. Mm -hmm. you, know? Mm -hmm. that, you know what? I just like made a connection, which is it's kind of funny and it's kind of biblical too, because it, it like in the Bible, they say, you know, everything, whenever there's the, you know, they call it the final days or whatever it is, um, that there's going to be this confusion, right? The weather is going to be confused. People are going to be confused. They're not going to know who they are, what they are. They're not going to know if they're man, woman, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I started to think about that. And my sister and I talk about this a lot, right? Because that's, we kind of talk about like the Bible, the parallels, kind of what is connected or whatever. And, you know, my sister even says, it's, you know, she's like, it says it in the Bible. People are going to be confused. They're not going to know what they are. They're not going to know who they are. They're not going to know if they're man, woman, what, this, that, you know, there could be anything. And then that makes sense because I feel like that just triggers and goes back to not having like standing like standing like firmly, right. Or grounding yourself in something, because if you're not grounded, then you can just blow away with the wind. Right. It's like, there's no grounding there. There's no, like right. I am this, and this is what I stand on. And it's like, well, today I'm this and tomorrow I'm that, or today I'm this. And, and so I can see the destabilization where it's like confusion, basically mm -hmm. like yeah. there's confusion and then, Oh, but now we'll tell you who you are. So now you're confused. I'm going to tell you who you are. And now you yeah, can't. Not only that, 
not only that, but you are a victim, right? And you yes. know that by identifying yourself mm -hmm. as a victim, yep. you mm -hmm. disempower yourself. So yeah. it's like yep. now people mm -hmm. are buying into not having any power in their lives. Right? Uh, and yep. so, mm -hmm. and so it's like, not only are you sold on the, you know, you're, you're being confused intentionally, but you're also being disempowered yep. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And the victimization, like that totally makes sense. And it puts them in a victim mentality. Hmm. Yep. That is very interesting and something I'm just going to ponder on because that makes total sense. I mean, that's what I see happening, right? It's like, you know, I, it, I love, don't get me wrong. I love everybody, right? I love all humanity, even though sometimes it's really hard for me to love everybody. Um, <laughs> but I do love humanity. I'm like, damn humans. Do I really love you? Um, but you know, I was thinking because I do, I have friends who are drag queens. I have, you know, people who are, you know, this and that. And I'm like, cool, be who you're going to be. But you know, now that we're facing this, this thing with women and, and a lot of women are feeling, you know, I don't know, defeated in so many ways. I feel like women feel like they're always picked on. They're the first to go. You know what I mean? It's kind of like for a long time that I'm like, but do they really understand? Can they, they, they don't, they don't understand the struggles of what a woman goes through. They can't, you know what I mean? It's, it's you just can't men have a different struggle. Women have, you know, menstruation and, we go through all of these things that, you know, that they don't, and they're never going to. And it's not, that's a fact, right? It's not, it's not to be mean or say, well, I don't accept you for the human being you feel that you are, and you feel like you're a woman, but you're not like, that's the reality. And, right. and yeah. And that, and that's, it's hard for me because I'm starting to see that in sort of a, a little bit of a different way, because I have so many friends that are drag queens that are, and, and I love the community and they're very accepting, but now I'm like, but you don't understand. You're still protected in some way. Women, you know, we get, we've been burned at the stake. We, it's our fault, you know, for everything. So it's like, it's hard. And we go through all of the, like I said, we go through menstruation, we go through childbirth, we go through 50 billion hormonal changes. You know, we, <laughs> we, you can't, a man can't do that. It doesn't matter if they change their sex. It doesn't matter. And the same for a woman who says she's a man. She really doesn't know what that's like. You know, we just can't understand. And that's a factual thing. And so for me, I'm trying to, I'm like rethinking this, like, wow, like they're never really going to know our struggles really as a woman. They just can't. That's fact. Right. Right. And, and it, I mean, you can really, you could boil that down further to the individual level because every individual will have unique experiences that that's what makes us individuals, but they're actually, again, you're seeing a concerted effort to de-individualize, right? Yeah. You yep. have this, uh, you have these political identities, right? Mm -hmm. Gender identities, these, this uh, identity culture, right? This victim culture where you're identifying as a group, right? Rather mm -hmm. than identifying as the individual, right? Uh -huh. You're identifying uh -huh. as I'm a black, lesbian, disabled woman, right? So it's like, I've, you know, I've checked three boxes on the victim bingo card, and that is my identity. They're, they're identifying as a group, right? Yeah. And this is a, this is, again, this is a de-individualization, right? Mm -hmm. You take away the individual, you take away individual rights, 
right? So again, there's a concerted effort to erase individuality. So everyone's taking on this group identity uh, ideology and identifying through these various bingo checks on their bingo card of like, I'm a, this class of victim, this class of victim, and this class of victim, right? And again, that just erases individualism. And again, that is intent. There, it is intentional to destabilize the individual. Mm-hmm. Right? If you no Perfect. longer identify as an individual, separate from all other things, different from all other things, having unique experience to all other things, and you now identify under group think, right? And under group identities, well, you don't, you're not ever going to seek your individual rights. And that's why what's, What's the war that's happening right now? The war, culture war that's happening right now is about group identity rights, right? Uh, Even though as individuals, they have all the rights we do. Mm -hmm. Individuals have, whether you're trans or or gay, it doesn't matter. You still have all the human rights that I have. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. Those have never been taken away from you. What you're seeking is these privileges that only your group gets to have, right? So like, for instance, I believe in, 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 in individual sovereignty and individual rights, but your rights cannot, or, or I should say, it is not an individual right for you to impede or to infringe on another's right, okay? So that's, that's part of the, the game of rights and responsibilities that we have in a free society is mm-hmm. that, you have the right, okay? You have all the rights that don't infringe on the rights of another, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you gotta get clear on what you really have a right to. Like, right. You don't have the right to, ha- to take my stuff because you want it. That's not your right, because that infringes on my right to keep my stuff, right? right? I earned my stuff, right? right? <laughs> And so you don't have the right to just take and redistribute my stuff. That is my stuff, right? So, and and just like the this conversation of women, men who think they're women, women have a right to be secure in their, let's say, locker rooms, right? Or to compete fairly against other women in sports. So you do not have the right to just claim you're a woman and compete against them or to just claim you're a woman and rock around with your dick hanging out in their locker rooms. Like that is not your right, right? But they're, again, they're claiming, they're not claiming individual rights. They're, They're claiming these group rights, which aren't rights. You don't have the right to infringe on the rights of women. That's okay. not a right. So they're if taking you infringe it from on the rights of a woman of anyone. It's not a right. So it's like this. It's they're ta- so. Let me see if I understand. They're taking. They're destabilizing the individuals so that they can put things into a group so that the groups themselves become the the identity rather than the individual. Right. What you exactly. Okay. Got it. Got it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and then because that, then, again, and then, then you, uh-huh. then you don't like if you erase the concept of individual, you erase the concept of individual rights. Right, right, and so then that it's like, oh wow, you identified with this group, you're not an individual, basically, right. and now we can take right. that away. Uh huh. Yeah, 
Yeah, because and they also did now now that you've identified as a group, well, the group has a predefinition of what's okay to talk about, what's okay to think, what's okay to how what it's okay for you to do, right? These are all like determined by, oh, well, you, if you're that group, well, then this, right? And yeah. again, that's that's how you erase the individual. It's how you erase individual rights. It's how you erase individual will is by having individuals <laughs> no longer identify as an individual. They identify as the group. And now it's the the group has certain things that determine what makes you a member of the group. And so you now must follow. You now must act a certain way. You now must speak a certain way. You now, And this is, again, this is the ideological possession and polarization we're seeing in the world because everyone's doing this. Yep. Not just the not just the lost people who have adopted these poisonous ideologies, everyone across the spectrum who aligns themselves or polarizes themselves within an ideology, whether you call it a left-wing ideology, whether you call it a right-wing ideology, whether, you, whether it's a religious ideology, if you identify yourself by that group, you no longer have individuality. You no longer think for yourself. You no longer speak for yourself. What you do is represent a group and you speak as that group determines you speak. You think yeah. as that group determines you, you think. So this is something that's happening across the board. This is broad spectrum. You know, this um, isn't just, oh, this group of people over here who believe in this ideology, they're the ones who are lost. No, no, no. This is happening across the board everyone's latching on to ideologies. Yep. 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 You know, and again, I'm I, not going to speak as an absolutist. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. People yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Are, are latching on to ideologies. Yeah. I think what we do, we, I mean, eventually we have to latch on to something, right. Or we would just not be talking. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, yeah, there's, there's that level of like attachment, right. And, yeah. and I think, and I think whenever you take a position, there's at some level, there's an attachment there, but it's about taking your position based yeah. on your own critical thinking, based yeah. on your own assessments, like yeah. based on how you're interpreting the world. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to even adopt, but at least think about the positions yeah. you adopt from, yeah. from a group. Right. So yeah. And then not identifying in terms of like, where is it going to lead you? Because if you adopt, let's say you adopt a group, but then it has a political connotation or, or attachment to it, then there's going to be a result. Like I always look at it like, okay, well, what's the result of that? And is that where I'm headed? And does that even make sense for my life or where I'm going? Which is probably why I'm alone. <laughs> I keep saying that. I'm like, I'm like, nope, you just... You kind of want me to do things I'm not okay with, so I'm not going to do it. So I'm going the opposite direction. See right. Right. And, 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 and so like if you're not attached, right, if you, or if you have loose attachments, let's say, and you're able and you and you make all of your choices and assessments from your own critical thinking, like you're rather than being stuck to like, oh, like I, I am a Republican. And so it's like, okay, now you've you've put yourself in a box, right? Yep. And, yep. and it's like, okay, there's only so much you could do inside that box. Yep. Uh -huh. But if you're, but if you're like, no, I don't identify as any of those things, I'm an individual and I'm going to 
like if voting is your thing, I'm going to vote based on the individual I'm voting for. Yeah. <laughs> not based yeah. on their political party, right. not yeah. based on, you know, uh, it may be based on their ideology, you know what I mean? And you may base it on their history and you may base it on their personality, but you see each as an individual. You're not just going to automatically vote a certain way because of an ideological bias. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. it's funny. 10, 15 years ago, I would have been considered a liberal. Now I'm considered like a far right extremist. Um, but the reality <laughs> is like, like if I look at like uh, presidents that I would have voted for, I would have voted for Tulsi Gabbard. I wouldn't have voted for any other Democrat, but I would have voted for her. She's a Democrat. But I based that idea on her as an individual. And, and what she represents and what she believes, right? you know, right. as opposed to like, I'm stuck in a party and therefore I just vote for this party. Right. You know? Yep. Yep. And it's become two, just two, two parties, right? That's it. There's just, I mean, there's more than that, but that's no. the conversation. That's yeah, the conversation. And that's so, the polarization. I yeah, know. That's how you polarize. Yeah. I you know. I people know. by giving them. And you, it's, it's the perception of choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if we, we could pretend <clears throat> most politicians aren't bought and paid for by the elite, um, we could pretend that, um, right. but regardless of who you vote for, there's a really good chance. And again, not an absolute, but there's a really good chance that they're already bought and paid for. Oh, sure. Absolutely. By some group of people, right? Yeah. And, and usually it's the same group of people. Like they yeah. give you the illusion of choice. Like, oh, well, here's your Democrat choice. Here's your Republican choice. And you now have freedom. <laughs> you, you have the freedom to determine your future. But in reality, it's like, okay, well, they're both bought and paid for by the same group. So they're exactly. both going to implement policies and take actions based on what their handlers and controllers tell them to do. So again, I'm not, I don't necessarily see uh, politics or the political world as a remedy or solution, because again, it's yeah. become so deeply corrupted that yeah. there's very little you can do other than, again, here in America, in a constitutional republic, if people understood how a constitutional republic operated, that the most powerful governments are your local governments. Like uh, your state legislator could, can oppose anything and everything that comes out of the federal government. Yeah. Your local sheriff has more law enforcement power than any federal agency. Your sheriff could tell the FBI to get stuffed and leave his county. No, you can't interact with anyone in my county. You know? So that's, again, we have that unique form of government. It's really, it's, people have the perception that it's a top down. And that's why they believe that their most important elections are the president. The president should be the least important person that you vote for in a constitutional republic. The most important people you ignore and don't even know anything about them. But it's your local, your local government is more powerful, at least in our system of government, than the federal level right yeah that's something so that i did remember when you were teaching us that that's something that i did take away understanding yeah. that yeah which i think most people don't 
Um, and that's, and that's another reason why I was like, well, I need to talk to Brandon. Cause I know like, okay, so Roe versus Wade is obviously the big thing right now and understanding what that meant when I was like, okay, so they're putting it back in the hands, but it's always been in the hands of our state regardless and seeing where states stand on, you know, this, or what do they think about it or where are they headed with it? Um, but I'm like, it's always been there. Just like when the marijuana laws passed and all that kind of stuff, it was always, you know, I was like, well, it's at a state level. They can overturn that. They can say that this is what they, you know, want to do. So, I mean, I understood that piece a little bit. <laughs> and right. so, so, but now what we're seeing is that they're trying to put, well, I don't know. They're trying to put all of the responsibility back into the state. Well, no, it's already there. It's now, already there. Now, it, so then what is yeah, that? So then, okay, go ahead. Okay, so you're bringing up the Roe versus Wade, which this is a this is a bastardization of a constitutional republic because what it what it established, because it's a Supreme Court decision, was it established the quote unquote constitutional right for a woman to murder a child. Okay, now that is not a right because it infringes on the right of the child. Okay, so that was a bad interpretation. There is nothing in the Constitution that gives women this special privilege to murder people. That, that, that doesn't exist. That's just bad interpretation, okay? That, because it became a quote-unquote constitutional right through a Supreme Court decision, it took this power away from the states to make it illegal. Because, they're, because now, because it's a constitutional... Because the Constitution, everything must be in accordance. So what your state does has to be in accordance with it. Now, there are elements of the Constitution, again, most people don't understand, like, I think, what is it, Article 10, Section 8, or is it Article 8, Section 10, that no state shall shall pass any law that infringes upon the obligations of contract. That right there, that little tiny piece of the Constitution makes it illegal for your state, your city, or anyone else to say, you can't open your business. And that's what they did during the pandemic. They went around saying, none of you can open your business. That's unconstitutional and nobody challenged it. So, okay, so, okay, good. Now, what about when they're like, we're gonna fine you? Like, okay, if you do, cause I think that's what people were more afraid of is like, oh, now that we are not right. making money, now you're going to pay $5,000 fine for every day, whatever it was, did they have the right to then go and take the money from these people or could they have actually challenged? No, they, don't, they don't. They don't. Yeah, they can challenge it. There is a due process in our constitutional republic. That's why we have the checks and balances okay. of the system that we have. Right. That case, if someone challenged it, like, no, I'm not paying this fine, right? And you actually take it to the judicial that case at least should have if all of your local courts are corrupt and they go yep you got to pay it you could take it all the way to the supreme court and the supreme court can, is going to base their decision on the constitution and if you got okay. a freaking good lawyer because those are rare a lawyer who actually understands law um <laughs> if you actually have a good lawyer they it's it's a slam dunk it's like look the, right here, it says in the Constitution that no state shall pass any law that infringes on the obligations of contract. This infringes on my client's capacity to contract with others. 
Got it. There it is. Slam dunk. Okay. It's, okay. It, and then the Supreme Court would issue a, a decision, right, a ruling that says you can't do that state governments. You can't do that city governments. And now because it's precedent, it should never make it out of the local law court. So it's again, it's not going to stop some corrupt city official from trying to fine you. But when it gets to the court, there's now this decision looming that says like, yeah, no, you can't force businesses to close. So we didn't have anybody out of that whole thing rise up and take it to the Supreme Court. Right. Got it. Okay. Not yeah, that I'm aware I'm part, of. Not so that part, I'm aware of. I, I don't so, follow every single Supreme Court case, but I, I'm not aware of a case. Oh, I'm sure that, that if it did, it would have been knowledge to everybody. And then everybody would have been like, oh, well, we're going to we're going to stay open. You know what I'm saying? I think it would have got enough attention that then business owners would have been like, we're staying open. Now it's passed, right? right. The Supreme Court's on our side. Okay, so now I get it, I think. So the Supreme Court, <laughs> I'm glad that these people are on here just listening to me trying to figure out this whole entire system that I don't really get 100%. So <laughs> I know, it's crazy. The Supreme Court then is the, their duty is to hold up the our constitutional rights. Right. So that, and that's the, that's the, what they call the separation of powers, right? And the checks and balances of our constitutional republic. So Congress legislates, meaning they create laws. But if at any point someone challenges that law as unconstitutional, well, Congress doesn't get to decide whether it is or not. That goes to the Supreme Court. And if the Supreme okay. Court goes, yeah, you issued this law but it contradicts principles of our constitution. Therefore, this law is null and void. Okay, got it. All right. So, okay, got it. So then it then it goes down. So if it's un, so if it's law within the Supreme Court, then the state, then it takes precedent over the state law. No, uh, again, the, the Supreme Court validates or invalidates in accordance with the constitution. So the okay. law just goes away. Law doesn't come out of the courts. Okay. okay. So the, the, the Supreme Court, again, that's separation of powers. Only Congress can legislate. So only Congress can create laws. But if they create a law that's found to be unconstitutional, the law is null and void. It just goes away. Okay. Because okay. the court can, and, and the court can't come back and say, no, this is how it's going to be, or no, you have to do this. They can't issue law. They don't have that power. Okay. So then, then it goes back to legislation is what it does. And legislation recreates the law. Right. They can try to create it differently so that right. it so is in accordance okay. with the constitution okay. or pursuant to so the then constitution. How does it get sent back to the state for the state to decide if it's law or not law? Well, the law, the states make their own laws. Okay. So, and the states can make laws that are in contradiction to federal laws. Like for instance, let's say that okay. you get enough morons into congress to pass a law that says no one can have a gun okay right? <laughs> every state could have their state legislators say nope everyone can have a gun and and the state's law supersedes the law of the federal legislature okay <laughs> so it's like that now you've got these contradictions so now there's going to be a challenge right and the challenge would go to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's supposed to, again, depending on how corrupt your court is, the Supreme Court's supposed to look at the Constitution and say, okay, is this law constitutional, right? Okay. And based on our Second Amendment, they would say, well, no, you can't 
you can't disarm the public. You can't, you can't, you don't have the power to say whether they are or aren't armed because the Constitution says they have it, they, that it is our obligation to protect their right to protect themselves. Okay. Now, I, again, I've worded that very deliberately because something Americans need to understand mm -hmm. is that we don't get our rights from the Constitution. That is a misconception. Okay. Our founding fathers recognize that we have inalienable rights, that we are born with certain rights, and that it's the government's obligation to protect those rights, and that it's the government's obligation to not infringe on those rights. So your our freedom of speech wasn't given to us by the Constitution. Our freedom of speech is inherent in being human. That's how the founding fathers saw it, that like you're human, you have the freedom to worship whatever you want to worship practice any religion you want to practice you have the right to get together with any people that you see fit and you have the right to say whatever the hell you want to say right now that's something you were born with right. that's the difference is okay. that our that we don't get our rights from the constitution the bill of rights are the guarantees that the government will not infringe on those things or allow any states to infringe on those things because they are God-given inalienable rights. You were born with them. Okay. And nothing and no one can take them away. Awesome. So then the states can't overpower it. It'll have to go to the Supreme Court and they'll decide. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because if the state tries to pass a law that's like, in fact, this uh, this just happened recently in New York with some gun laws or restrictions that they were trying to pass. It got challenged, it got to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, no, New York, you cannot take away this right from your people because it is an inalienable right. And okay. and the Constitution guarantees the right. It doesn't give you the right. It wasn't conveyed to you by the Constitution. The Constitution is the guarantor of the right. Okay. All right. Okay. So then, okay. So then tell me, okay. So I'm still confused because then you said state law is, has more merit than federal law. So I'm still confused yeah. with the state, federal, and the, 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 the judicial court. Or is okay. That right? So, so basically court. if you look, you look at it this way, the Constitution is foundational, meaning no state that's part of the union shall do anything that is in opposition to it. Okay. okay? So yes. that's the foundation is the constitution. However, sovereignty starts with the people. So at the top of your government is the people. The people okay. have all the power. Okay. Next, you have county governments. Okay. So I'm, t I'm speaking in the terms of a pyramid, right? So at the top okay. are the people. Mm -hmm. Next are your county slash community, right? Um, typically we empower it through the county because, and again, it doesn't have to have this structure. This is the typical structure in America. Whereas like you go to Louisiana and they don't even have counties, they got parishes because they inherited a French system of, you know, uh, of land uh, division and things like that. So, but it's, it's a general idea. This is okay. in general, this is how it is because we have our sheriffs, right? The head of law enforcement is the sheriff. Now, where does the sheriff get his power? From the people. You see? Uh, the people okay. elect the sheriff. Uh -huh. okay? okay? So, again, under that, you now have the state. The state was, again, the people seeding. Now, when I say seeding, I don't mean giving away, right? And I'm 
not S-E-E-D, but C-E-D-E. Yeah. Cede our sovereignty to the state, meaning the state's sovereignty exists by virtue of our sovereignty. Okay. The state is not superior to the people. The state is inferior to the people. Okay. Okay. The next level on down on the pyramid is federal. And the federal government was basically established to regulate the relationships between states. Okay. Okay. Meaning the state of California and the state of Oregon have an argument. Well, they have to, in order to resolve this argument, they take it to a federal court. Okay. Because it is a relationship between states. Okay. So they're at the bottom. And again, the states, just like we ceded our sovereignty to the state, the state cedes its sovereignty to the federal government. Now, that doesn't mean it gives up. Okay. It means that the federal government's sovereignty exists by virtue of state sovereignty. State sovereignty exists by virtue of the sovereignty of the people. Okay. So this is a unique structure. Again, it's unique to anything in the world. No, no government system in the world is structured this way, except okay. ours. Okay. Okay. So now when it now when a law, because I'm still confused, like my confusion comes from like with like these laws that get put back into the state's hands where they say, well, it's unconstitutional, but yet the state still can have the law. Is that because the people make the decision about what should be right and wrong within the state? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. and again, now you're talking about state. So, so remember law or legislation is not the constitution. Okay. Right. So at, right. at the federal level, there's just the constitution. That's the only thing the states are bound by. They are okay. not bound by federal statutes. Got it. So, okay. So then, so now this makes more sense to me, um, which is why I just didn't say anything. So when we're talking about Roe versus Wade, they were saying that it wasn't, it has nothing to do with the constitution at all. And right. so, there's, so now it's not, how could it be a law when it's, it, they're saying it doesn't fit within the reins of the constitution, exactly. like that whole idea. Got it. So then they put it back to the states. Right. Exactly. Okay. It's basically they overturned the ruling of Roe versus Wade. The ruling, right, the decision in that case determined that it was a, a an infringement upon constitutional rights to to prevent women from having abortions. Okay, that's basically the gist of what the ruling establishes. So now it establishes at the constitutional level that women have the freedom or the privilege of killing the child, okay? Mm -hmm. That is what was established. What was established last week was, no, <laughs> we're overturning that. It is not a constitutional right. Women do not have that privilege or protection under the constitution. That's Got all it. they did. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That makes more sense. And that's why I was like, I can't say anything because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I really don't. I didn't get it. I didn't get but, you know, people should just like learn their stuff before they open their mouths. Like, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm serious because then everybody's like, oh, are you mad because of Roe versus Wade? Because you're a woman because this because that. And I'm like, no, I can. I'm infuriated, of course, because I am a woman and I feel like all this energy gets thrown back at women all the time. But I don't really understand 
what's going on. I don't know the political system. I don't know what that means for us. I don't understand what that is trying to say. I don't understand how these decisions are made. I don't pay attention to all that. And so now I get it. So for me, it's like, okay, yeah. When we're looking from the definition, when we're looking from the facts, it makes sense why they're saying that it's unconstitutional because it's not part of the constitution. Okay, good. I get it. Now it's, that's where it comes to the morality issue, right? Where we're talking about right. morality. Got it. Okay. I am so clear now, like <laughs> now it makes Good. sense. And now it goes back to the States where the people have sovereignty to decide if this is something they want to see in their state law or not. And then the people exactly. decide, got it. Oh, thank God. I'm like, <laughs> it took, it took two hours for me to get it. <laughs> I think that's faster right. and, than me. And here's the thing, like in reality, like the way I see it, I'm an extremist, right? So yeah. I think like in reality that our constitutional rights should extend to unborn children. Unconstitutional rights. No, our constitutional rights oh, should our extend to unborn children because they are human beings and they should have this, they, their rights they have their they have rights and those rights should be protected that's how i see it and that would be in alignment that, with the constitution is right. what you're saying got it yeah i'm saying okay. that the constitution could have a ruling in another case that would determine that like no no state can have abortion like to me that's a legitimate interpretation based on my way of seeing things based on Got my it. interpretations, based on my assessments, because I see, and, and again, I'm also using science here, um, but I, I'm also using spirituality. Like for me, scientifically at conception, you have life because it is a self-organized system. The thing is going to grow. It's going to develop. It is human from the beginning, right? So why doesn't it have human rights? <laughs> if it is human, from the point of conception, why doesn't it have human rights? Like to me, that makes sense for it to have human rights because it's a human. Regardless okay. of its stage of development, like you could say it's not